If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Taylor hit, but he bounces into the end zone. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. How can we, like you mentioned, as pillars, as guys who are leaders on this team, how can we turn that around? Play action. Now he's in trouble, and he's going to be brought down. A sack for the Colts. DeForest Buckner back to the 27-yard line. Never quit. I never not fall. I never not compete. And I will always continue to be a great, great leader, a great competitor. Now he checks it down left side, looking for the end zone for Alec Pierce. And he's got it. Touchdown, Alec Pierce. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Welcome to the Colts official podcast brought to you by our friends at WinBet. My name is Jeffrey Gorman. I'm joined by Lara Overton and J.J. Stankovitz today. We brought you both in today because you guys, uh, the figure of speech, you do have your finger on the pulse of what just happened this past weekend. The Hall, the Hall, 12 players in the NFL draft. Chris Ballard coveted and got them. And I'll tell you what, there are some athletic freaks in this hall. We're going to be talking about those specifically in a few, but we're also going to talk about Julie. Julius Brents, the selection of the hometown kid in the second round on Friday. The Indian native start at Warren Central High School, and J.J. and Lair are going to catch up with Jason West, who coached him during his high school career. So that will be fun to find out what we're getting. And uh, we talk about athleticism, athleticism, athleticism. Guys, first off, the 12 players overall in a seven-round draft. Lara, what do you think of that, and what, how does it affect the Colts players that are currently on roster? You addressed a lot of needs, and you created a lot of competition at positions that need depth, and you need to solidify some starting roles. I mean, first and foremost, you got a quarterback. So when you were able to address that so high in the first round, it provided... Chris Ballard an opportunity to address a lot of other areas in the remaining picks that he had. I think what we started the weekend with eight or started the week because it's Thursday nine. Okay. All right. So started with nine. You get up to 12. And in that period, you were still able to get the players who you were prioritizing at the areas in which you wanted them. So I think that was significant for me is that even though you moved back and acquired more picks, there were guys, of course, there may have been a few up there who you would have liked to have had but overall you got the guys who you were targeting start to finish that's at least what we learned from Chris Ballard we just sat down with him for with the next pick that episode will be wrapped up here soon so people can look forward to that this and hear week, a little bit right? more that it will be this good, week good. Yeah. can't wait yes. can't wait for that here's the thing it starts with this the Colts didn't trade up to get Anthony Richardson and I wrote about this on Colts.com in my 10 Colts things after the draft that the last time a team traded up one spot to get a quarterback was the Bears in 2017. They traded a third and fourth round pick in that year's draft, Trubisky. as well as a future third, to go get Mitch Trubisky. Mm. If the Colts, it, let's say the Colts paid a similar price to go up to number three. Chris Ballard said they called Arizona about it. They decided to stand pat. That means you're not drafting Josh Downs and Blake Freeland in this year's draft. You're not getting a guy who could be a long-term pass catcher for Anthony Richardson and a guy who'd be who could be a long-term protector of Anthony Richardson in this year's draft. Staying at four, it it took some guts for Chris Ballard to do that, to stay at four and not you know hit the hit the button. All right, we're going up to three. We're making sure we're getting him. He had good information, a good sense that if Arizona traded out of the pick, it would not be to a team that would be taking a quarterback. That wound up being Houston, and Houston took Will Anderson. The rest now is the Colts of Anthony Richardson and 
They have other pieces on this roster that are going to help the Colts win right now and in the long term. A big sigh of release. That was the guy. That was the one that Ballard had his eye on, and when that came up, the trade that J.J. talked about, it was on. We talk about Richardson, the athleticism. Though, I mean, Lara, you sat down with him with uh, you know an yeah. interview that everyone across the world is watching right now. He is a specimen. I mean, incredible specimen athleticism. We've seen the highlights, but this whole draft class is a bunch of athletic specimens, and I want to go over that, a thing called the RAS. R-A-S, which is the relative athletic score. 10 is the best possible score on it. And I'm not going to go through every one of these draft choices, but Anthony Richardson's a 10. He's a 10 on this thing, and, and, and all the way down through the – everyone's above 9. J.J., fill me in on the R-A-S yeah. uh, specifically, why that was so important to Chris No Ballard. one knows, loves an acronym more than J.J. Stankovitz. I love it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's talk some R-A-S. So the thing you need to know about this – I don't know if the Colts use this. I think a lot of NFL teams probably have their own proprietary formula for athleticism that spits out a number. This is a formula that quantifies athleticism, and it takes height, weight, arm length, uh, athletic testing, so your 40, your broad jump, your vertical jump, things like that, your short shuttle, three cone, all those things they do at the combine where you look and you're like, I don't really know what's going on, but they, they look like they're they're fast, and it spits out a number out of 10. So... Essentially, what, the best way to think about this is this is not a direct, like, all right, it, 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 you are a 9.83 versus a 9.94, so the 9.94 guy is more athletic. It's more of a kind of a broad idea of how athletic you are. It's just one measurable among many. Bingo. Like, it's, it's one thing that you wait and you take into consideration. But when there is a trend of every single one of the Colts draft picks being above an 8.5, in this, that means the Colts drafted a really freaking athletic class of players. Same thing last year. The Colts draft cut class last year was one of the most athletic by relative athletic score. And, I mean, you, you see it like this team, when this Colts team gets off the bus, it's going to be like, whoa, you, you got some dudes oh, yeah. getting off the bus. <laughs> you still have to develop them into players, but the Colts are always going to bet on athletic traits and high football character for coaches to use those two things to develop them into guys who can contribute on Sundays. Lara, why so specific in the emphasis on this? Because guys have to play the game. They have to follow the rules. They have to play the game of football. I understand all that, but as a, just a fan up in the upper deck, why are these things so important to these guys that are drafted? Well, it's just one measurable and component, and one of the things we know is that the Colts highly prioritize character, and they have these conversations not only with the prospects themselves, with their coach from the college level, they'll dig in on guys back to high school to find out more about them, and they'll look at how has this guy shown signs of development? How does he take coaching? That's one of the reasons that they like the Senior Bowl so much. You get to see how guys take the instruction of the NFL coaches, but then you also get to see how they are up against apples-to-apples comparison of caliber talent, and then how they conduct themselves, not just on game day, in practices. How are they, you know, when they're standing in line, going through drills? How are they at receiving feedback how are they in all of those different how are they in meetings different things like that so those are all things that you take in conjunction with it but I think when you look at in particular 
we've heard so much about the type of offense. Of course, he's the head coach. It's overall. But when you look specifically at offense for Shane Steichen and the type of offense he wants to run, you need strong athletes because Shane's going to be the type of coach who can drive into them, okay, this is the scheme and this is how we're going to execute and these are the different things. But when you have a great body of work to start with, when you have a great ball of athletic clay, then you're able to mold it into this offense and make it exactly what you envision you want it to be. The Colts are going to have to take three planes to away games because of the weight limit. There's some giant (laughs) human beings on this roster. JJ, uh, obviously after a draft you think, yeah, we got better and we, you know, addressed some needs and uh, all across the board, all 32 teams. But I want to ask you this because we look at this and it's fun. What are the experts saying in the mock drafts? What are they saying as a whole over the whole thing as as far as three days go? Did they come out on, you know, as far as those gurus go, did we do okay? Yeah, like every single one of them's given us really pro football focus. Gravis gave the Colts an A+. Wow. I was listening to the Athletic Football Show. Uh, Nate Tice and Dane Brugler both are really high on our draft class, two of the sharpest football minds out there, in my opinion. Um, But here's the thing with, with grading the draft. Every general manager will tell you it is stupid to grade the draft right now. What you what but what should be graded right now is process. What was the Colts process in this draft? To me, th- this process was a home run. They knocked it out of the park. You stay at 4 and you get Anthony Richardson, a guy who you valued, who Jim Irsay said, if he was there, if we had the number 1 pick, we would have taken him first overall. You you get a guy who your coach have, your coach wants who you've collectively come as an organization to say this is our guy because it takes an organization to develop that quarterback and you didn't have to go up and get him. Right. You didn't have to trade up and get him. Then you start addressing these other positions of need. You know, you you did need cornerbacks. You draft three of them, all guys who are athletic, have different traits, but more than anything else, these dudes are long athletes. The, you six, know, two, six, six, two, six, two, six, two. Oof. Julius Brents has, you know, he's got like a condor-like wingspan out there. Um, Darius Rush ran a four three six in the forty. Jalen Jones, tough physical guy. Um, so you you address that. That's good process. Then Josh Downs deviating a little bit from the the previous mold of wide Large, receivers. Big body right. frame. The 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 shortest like I think the average wide receiver size was like six three two ten. And Josh Downs is 5'9", 171. But he fits exactly what Shane Steichen wants in his slot receiver, a guy who's got good short area quickness. He can be a downfield speed threat if you need him to be. He's got great hands, incredible football background. His uncle was Dre Bly, two-time Pro Bowl cornerback in the NFL. His dad played seven years in the NFL as a running back, just a, an A-plus kid, according to Chad Henry, the area scout who, who scouted him. And then you get into the fourth round, and you just start – taking swings on athletic guys. Adetambiwa Adabare is one of the most athletic guys in this draft class. At 280 pounds, he ran at 4-4-9-40. Unbelievable. Blake Freeland at 302 pounds, 310 pounds, I think he ran like a 4-8-9-40. And these Blake Freeland and Jake Witt, the two tackles, they have 37-inch vertical jumps. For being like 300 pounds. That's insane. Also, that is Bla- insane. Blake Freeland, state champion thrower in high school. Larry, you know, you, you, know what the Col- you know who the Colts took a lot of? 
track guys. Track guys. A lot of track guys. A lot of track guys, yeah. Uh, Blake Freeland's sister was a thrower at BYU as well. His entire family, athletes at BYU, but his sister was a thrower. He was a thrower in high school, very well could have. You mean discus and shot put, like thrower, when you say thrower? It was either javelin or or discus. Or javelin, I forget. Yeah, yeah, some of, yes, in that that realm. So I can't remember all the specifics, because throwers often do a lot of different disciplines among the throws. So, but yeah, state champ. A couple of my favorite picks were in the fifth round, Evan Hall and Will Mallory, the running back and the tight end. Those are guys who, you know, Evan Hall fits this need. Shane Steichen said what he told Justin Herbert in 2020 was your running back is your best friend. Evan Hall is probably one of the most accomplished pass catching running back in this year's draft class. He led all of college football with 55 receptions in 2022. He's got some good speed to him. Uh, he's tough. He can do pass protection stuff well. Good third down back to spell Jonathan Taylor if he pans out. And then Will Mallory. The Colts didn't have a need at tight end, but he's the fastest tight end in this year's draft class. He ran uh, with his 40 time. And Shane Steichen, you know, Chris Ballard shared this with us. Shane leaned over to him in the draft room and said, hey, Will Mallory's a really good player. And again, that now that competition at tight end, it is on with Will Mallory, Kylan yeah, Branson, Mo Cox, Jelani Woods, Drew Ogletree, Pharaoh Brown in that group. That is going to be a competitive you know, next couple Plus of weeks. Plus the grandson of Hoosier great Bill Mallory. Yeah. I knew you'd love that, Larry. Of course I did. Absolutely. Of course. I, get so I, I left that one for you. <laughs> we're, you know. We're giving it There up. are only so many things that you folks can celebrate when it comes to NFL draft uh, also, weekends, okay, okay? Okay, so we got, we got that little nugget on Will Mallory. Here's another one. His high school quarterback... Carter Bradley, son of Gus Bradley, Colts defensive oh, coordinator. Oh, no, no way. Yep. Okay, That's so, fantastic. So Coach knows him. Okay, I love it. We're going to go over a few more of the draft choices. I asked. I had to go ask Ron Milas. I was like, hey, whose uh, pockets were you lining? Uh, because you got four DBs. What's what a, going on what with a you back there? for Ron Milas. Good Lord, that guy. I was like, yeah, who'd you bribe this draft to get so many DBs in your room at once. We got to dive in. Anthony Richardson, the world is talking about him. Watching his first game, can't wait till preseason happens. The first practice that's coming up this weekend in the rookie minicamp, the whole, like I said, Lara, your video blowing up. JJ, the stuff you wrote about Anthony Richardson, the views that are on that, it's all about this athlete. So let's pick on, pick on, not pick on him, but let's pick up a few things about Anthony Richardson when it comes to why they coveted this guy. Lara, I'll start with you. They felt so, so. As Jim Irsay said, that was the guy all along. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm asking you this. How much was Shane Steichen in Chris Ballard's ear? Heavily. And getting that, Heavily. okay, I got this if you bring him to me. Heavily. And that's something that Chris said that within two weeks of Shane being here, he was already firing stuff off. And and in our conversation just now, nonstop. It was day and night. You know, he would get messages multiple times a day where – Shane would see something in Anthony's game and he would want to, you know, hey, Chris, this is what he did here and this is what we can do with it. This is what I need to run the type of offense you brought me here to do. And not just Shane Steichen. You know, Morocco Brown, who, you know, one of the lead scouts on Anthony Richardson and one of, you know, the senior personnel um, scouts within the entire organization, he was out there 
taking videos of Anthony Richardson at Florida practices, you know, last fall, sending them to Chris with how impressed he and, and like Morocco is so he is so dynamic, but it take I mean, like you don't see him just gush over players like we kind of saw him and with the next pick gush about uh, Anthony Richardson. And we saw in the video that we released on Thursday night about Anthony. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that Shane was heavily involved and the, the Colts have stuck to a philosophy of how they are stacking the board and the different characteristics and the different measurables that they are heavily weighing and, you know, heavily prioritizing. But each coach, especially, you know, a head coach or an offensive minded head coach, when you are drafting the quarterback of the future, he's certainly going to want to have his nuances and influences in it. And I think this is a big one for Shane Steichen, for sure. JJ, give me your upside on this, Anthony Richardson. And I'm just going to speak for the entire Lucas Oil Stadium crowd and football fans everywhere. Does he get the ball on the first day of the regular season? Oh. He's, he's going to have to earn it, but there's there's going to be an opportunity. I mean, if you look at the way that the Colts have built this roster, Gardner Minshew can start if you need him to, but it, it, it is not prohibitive. There's not there's not anyone blocking Anthony Richardson is what I'm saying. It's not like, you know, if you drafted, say, if the Lions drafted Anthony Richardson, you Jared Goff's probably going to be the guy this year, right? Gardner Minshew, you love him if he starts. You love him if he's the backup. That's why you signed Gardner Minshew. He had experience doing both over his career. He was a great backup to Jalen Hurts last year. He was a very good starter in Jacksonville. We, I mean, we've certainly seen it here. And who was training together oh, through the last yeah. few weeks? That's Gardner Minshew point. and Anthony Richardson were training at the same facility yep. in Florida, already spending time together and kind of had the conversation of how funny would it be if this worked out that we went to the same, that Anthony Richardson was drafted to the Colts and that came to fruition. So they look, already have yeah. a rapport. And and look, we've heard it from Shane Steichen. We've heard it from Jim Ursay. You need to play to get better. Now that can happen in practice. You can you can practice and you can get better. But you know you know when you get in the regular season, the scout team work is it's not the same as getting those first team practice reps. But you, the starters got to get those reps. You can't really split them during the regular season. So does Anth- does that push Anthony Richardson to play a little bit sooner? Again, he's got to earn it. He's got to show that the the natural quarterbacking traits and the unbelievable athletic ability that he has are going to translate to being able to run an NFL offense. Because it's one thing to be like, ah, just play him. Who cares how he does? That's not fair to the other 10 guys on the field. You still have to have for Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor and Quentin Nelson and Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods, you got to have them. You have to have a functional offense for those guys. You can't just, if it doesn't work, you can't do it. Anthony Richardson, though, to me, like getting to see him just interact with folks around the building when he was in here on Friday, this guy, the head on his shoulders. I was just, I was talking to Morocco Brown in the hallway. I was just like, man, if I had a head on my shoulders at 20, like Anthony Richardson has, I'd be like running a company right now. <laughs> this guy is so just his, the way that he is humble yet confident are qualities that not a lot of people have, especially not a lot of 20 year olds have. Usually you're just super confident at 20 and the humility comes later. Like this kid is, he gets it. He, he absolutely gets it. And that gives him a really good chance to to take on the offense. He's already got his playbook. He was talking. You know, he's moving here, right? His his family's moving here. He that to me, that's also a very mature decision. You're 20 years old, moving to a new city. Mom's coming. Stepdad's coming. Brothers coming. Close family friends are coming to help him be settled here. Mm-hmm. 
but he's like, eh, I'm not really worried about packing up my life and moving here. Give me the playbook. Right. I need to know it by next Friday so I can be the quarterback at rookie minicamp. He gets it. And that gives him a really good chance to show everyone that, yeah, he can go play early on Surprised in his career. Surprised if he doesn't? Lara? No. Not surprised if he I doesn't don't start? Because I don't think that they're they're not going to rush it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think at all. I think that you will want to see in training camp, you're going to want to see in the preseason how things are unfolding. I mean, th- there is a lot to, you know, install with this offense. And I, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me at all because you don't, you don't want to rush these things. You need to see where he is. you got to give him time because you want him to go in – and even knowing that he's going to have a lot of growing to do, you still want to be able to start confident. So in, in terms of knowledge of the playbook and the scheme and, you know, the guys who he's working around. So, no, it, it wouldn't be. I think it would be a you would have a plan for it of a certain point within the season that you might, you know, want to bring him into. Um, I also think it's worth noting and we've talked about this a handful of times. Gardner Minshew has already been in this building for a number of weeks working with this offense. So he has such an, a massive head start being an offense that he's already run with Shane Steichen in Philadelphia. And now he's been here working with Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce and Jonathan Taylor and, you know, Jelani Woods and Moe and all of those guys uh, in this entire offensive line. So I, I think that that is something to take into consideration. Now there's a long time before September, before week one. I also think that flat out, you're going to put the quarterback out there week one that gives you the best chance to win. Right. Because you you want to win. Shane Steichen wants to win his debut as a head coach. It's been a long time since the Colts have won in week one. So I think that's what you're going to go in with is not only what is best for the long-term success of Anthony Richardson, but this still should be a dang competitive, <laughs> dang good football team. Yeah, absolutely it is. And, and uh, you know, we talked about the other day, Kansas City, when they did this. Alex Smith was there. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes was drafted. Smith was winning games, though. Yeah. Don't forget about that. They just that. made like, the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, so it was just, it was one of those things where it's not the same. I personally am like the rest of the fans out there. Give him the ball and let him go. But, hey, he's 20 years old, and let's know. We've got a long future in front of us with Anthony Richardson, so let's give him the best sort of uh, surroundings and, 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 you and, you know and what? piling up what's on his to-do list and just kind of keep it low for a 20-year-old. Really important note here, Jim Irsay saying in his press conference, fans need to be patient. Right. That's coming from the top of the organization. Yep. Be patient. For sure. Guys, give me a quick roundup before we go to an interview you did just recently on the hometown hero, let's call him. Anybody who gets drafted in their hometown, there's a there's a Disney story behind that where and I'm talking about Juju Brents. We talked about his length, his size, his athleticism. Give me something on this guy when you heard the draft choice come up. It's forty fourth overall getting a cornerback, the forty fourth best player that's gonna go play at the professional level. We got a good one here. The process that led the Colts to get him, I think, was really good where the Colts started day two with the 35th overall pick and a a group of players that they felt good about taking in the second round. And that was a deep group. So Chris Ballard says, we can get one of these guys and we can trade back. So first trade back from 35 to 38 with the Raiders, you pick up an extra fifth round pick. That fifth round pick ultimately becomes Daniel Scott through a couple of other maneuvering. Then you trade back from 38 to 44, and you pick up a fourth-round pick. That fourth-round pick becomes Adetami Y. Adabare. Nice. 
and then you still get Julius Brents with the 44th pick, a guy who you had in that group of, hey, we really like this guy. We think he can be, you know, he can compete to start right away. And that to me, that's the process that you're looking at and, and coming away thinking that's really good process. Instead of saying we're going to stay at 35 and get – you know, you still might have taken Brents at 35. Right, right. But instead, by you trade back a couple times, you pick up two extra players who can compete right away, and you still get a guy who you probably would have taken at 35. I immediately went to former Colt Stefan Gilmore to get some of his reaction to a number of these corners that were drafted. Just with his knowledge of this nice. organization, yeah, obviously. You don't need to know what I think. And he said, on Julius Brents, a lot of upside, great for scheme also. He's a press man corner, he can run, and he's big. So he was, he was a big fan of that pick um, and also of the fit in terms of the Gus Bradley defense that Julius Brents can be. And then, of course, you know, you got his South Carolina guy, Darius Rush, in there, too. So he was a big fan of that selection. That's great. Great story. Keep those sources close, okay? (laughs) We need a lot of content over the next year. Okay, let's go dig in a little bit deeper. Let's find out what the, the former high school coach at Warren Central, who's now the head football coach at Franklin Central, Jason West, he coached Juju Brents, and Lara and JJ had a chance to sit down with him earlier today. Joined now by Jason West, high school coach of Julius Juju Brents when Juju was at Warren Central right here on the east side of Indianapolis. The hometown kid gets drafted by the Colts. Jason, thanks so much for taking the time to join us and talk about what is such an exciting time for Julius, his family, and certainly the Colts as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, and uh, what a pleasure to be talking about such a wonderful young man. What was your early impression of him, those early years that you guys shared together at the high school level, what did you see in him that gave an indication he would not only go on to have the type of college career that he did, but be able to find success and get an opportunity to play at the professional level? Well, it was more of a freshman football, uh, you know, season and, and one of our freshman coaches, you know, we always try to do it. He's the real deal. Okay, great. So, you know, we started watching him. We would watch him play out of the games, and you see him out there, and he's very, very active, all business, um, you know, high-intelligent player. And uh, we knew from day one we were going to have one. His sophomore, junior year, that's when his, he really, really grew, and his genetic really took off, and, and he grew up in, in length. And, um, you know, kind of the rest is history. Once we started getting markers on him that were in a combine number as a sophomore, we knew that we had a special one and combined with who he is and what he is. Was just, you know. Jason, t- tell me a little bit about that growth spurt that Julius went on then, because usually that happens, you know, like early high school for some of these kids. Um, what was he like before that when he was a freshman? And then w- was there a moment where he showed up and you were just like, oh, my God, like you, you grew, you know, a bunch of a bunch of inches and your arms are longer like what was that that like for you as a coach well it's fun to see long lever kids you know they struggle um in high school a, a lot and, and a lot of people don't get it like he's not d1 or he's not this and uh you know it's more projection if you're not a genetic lottery winner right out the gate where everybody can see it you know you're six six or or you run a four or four you know just those type of kids always stand out but the late bloomers, the kids that grow late and develop late, long lever kids, linemen, uh, skilled kids like Julius, who's a corner, DB, uh, those long long lever kids take a little longer to develop. Um, but he 
worked so hard. Like I said, he never missed a practice, was never late, um, had great parents that, you know, always uh, got, you know, got him to every opportunity to improve, improve himself. So as a sophomore, he was already working on the varsity field, <clears throat> even though he was light and long levered, he, he was such a, con- you know, professional constable professional i mean always watch film when you know we can see how much film every kid watches on our team and he's always a leader in film made every workout he just took advantage of every opportunity there was so not only did he have good you know uh you know gene at that point uh yeah he'd have had an even better work ethic and that was the, the thing that separated him from most and then he just kept growing an inch or two every year and uh, you know, he flowered into what he is. And he, I think he grew five inch or two in college. I mean, he just kept expanding. So, um, and then he, with his work ethic, you know, he put on the right type of weight. And you saw at the combine, he, he smashed about everything there was as far as the test. So he's got he's got a great uh, future ahead of him. Speaking to that college experience, he initially went to Iowa, then transferred to Kansas State. What was your role in kind of helping guide him going into that college process? And then what did you see in terms of not only his individual development, but maybe the different opportunities that he got when he went to Kansas Kansas State that helped him really accelerate on those NFL radars? And then, of course, that was compounded by his combine performance. Well, you know, uh, the reason we, you know, he, we looked at that and one had some great coaches there. Coach Ferris is a great guy. Coach Bell uh, recruited him and, and Iowa has a reputation for work ethic and training athletes. And, uh, and that's what Julius is. He is all work ethic. He is all business. He's not there to, you know, to, to he's not a look at me guy. He's not, a, you know, a, a big talker. He just, he's a, he's a big time player and an extremely, you know, hard worker. And so he fit the, the mold there and then had some injuries and things happen and, uh, in college and, uh, you know, transferred through the middle of it through COVID and all that stuff that was going on in the world and um, and found a really great place in Kansas State that um, he really, you know, blossomed there and, and was healthy and played at a high level, as you can as you can tell and, and as you can see. And so everything's just, you know, worked out great for him. And to be somebody who wasn't on the radar to be a draft pick then late rounds and then, you know, talk the first two rounds, a month before the, the draft is, you know, a dream come true for a young man that did everything uh, the right way, and it's just great to see him get rewarded. Dream come true to see it happen for the team in which, you know, he raved about afterward after he was selected and got on with the media on Zoom, was talking about growing up and wearing Bob Sanders jerseys, going with his family to games at Lucas Oil Stadium. And when I had the opportunity to talk to him, he got a little emotional. He was watching the draft party just down the street. He was right in Westfield in the backyard of Colts training camp is where he was having his draft party. I teased him. I said, hey, we, we don't need to be doing this on Zoom. You could just get right in the building in about 20 minutes and we do this interview Come on over. exactly drive on over yeah. Yeah. Uh, Have some fun. that in terms of it's always a dream come true to get an opportunity to play at the nfl but how much do you know the significance of this for him being an indianapolis kid who would have loved to have played anywhere but especially for his family now to see this all come full circle well you gotta understand the colts do a great job uh in general in Indiana, we're very lucky to have the Colts. Most states, they don't have the support of a of a place like Indianapolis Colts. They they market everything. They let youth sports play at the stadium, all state championships that they can host. They uh, you know support all our IFCA. They are instrumental in in our, in our city and in our state. And so, you know, when I go on these national things and coaching things, and you know, I talk to a lot of coaches, and you know, most of of the 
the programs like that just don't get much involved like this. And so I think it really – Colts fans are true, you know, and I think Julius grew up that way, like you said, and it's I think it's every kid's dream to go play for your hometown in front of all your family and your friends and everybody that you ever, you know, cared about. You get – you know, it's you know if he's in Miami, that's that's a tough haul for anybody, of course, and it's it's, it's costly and it's time. So, you you have a, a treat right here, like you said, in your backyard. You don't have to go, you know, far away to go watch you, you know, this young man do his thing and this program, you know, uh, get back to the playoffs and, and and contention, which I think you know very possible because I think they had a great draft class and they have some real great pieces on roster right now and they got really really good people leading that organization. So. I think overall, that's why Julius felt that way. You know, it's not only hometown, but they're really great people. I mean, I've dealt with the Colts, you know, 50 to 100 times in different things, whether it's a Colts blood drive or whatever. And they just always, you know, are about first-class people and treating people properly. So uh, I just think it's a great fit in about 100 different ways. Hey, hey Jason, I want to go back to Julius in high school. But before I do, kind of spin it forward. So the Cleveland Browns are on the schedule for the Colts this year. David Bell, wide receiver for <laughs> yeah. the Browns. How much did Julius and David go against each other in practice at Warren? And how did that make Julius a, a better player? Well, you know, it, we were very fortunate to have some great perimeter pieces, obviously. Um, and, and, you know, iron does sharpen iron. And and uh, David played you know, defensive back for us, too, his junior and senior year. So they got to work together daily uh we you know we did some kind of indie or combo or seven on seven you know daily that's just part of the practice routine so um they matched up each other with each other a ton uh, and and that's how you want it you know you you want your best on your best and uh you want to push each other and uh, as much as you possibly can and, and both of those young men are such first class people that they you know they that's why they're you know out where they're at and they, they made it fun every day and they made it exciting and as a coach, I got to witness some of the coolest things ever, you know, just watching those guys <laughs> run around, catch balls, jump around, defend, doing things that no one else can do. Um, so I've been very lucky as a coach to, to have some great ones and um, just, you know, be a small part of their, their life is really special to me. And, and like I said, it's not about the time that we go through with them here. It's to see what they become as men is what we're most proud of as coaches. And so right now I just couldn't be more proud or ecstatic for, for these young men that are just – doing amazing things that are and it's so hard to do people think they don't understand the numeric of it you know just to get in the national football league it's it's you you, you have a better chance of playing a lottery and so it's just uh it's amazing it's it's, it's and they're such good kids and they go back to their community they you know they don't forget where they're from they just they do everything right so uh, you know it's a lot of pressure being a professional athlete and a lot of things people want a lot of things from them but they handle all that stuff with grace and they're going to do great things and I'm definitely going to be at that game and I'll probably cry a little ain't gonna lie because <laughs> I, I love them boys they're your family to me and I'm just so proud of them so it's going to be exciting I, I want to kind of go back to that too playing cornerback so much of it is having a short memory and not letting you know the previous play affect your your next couple of plays in the game those battles that, that Julius had with David, where I'm sure David won his fair share, Julius won his fair share, how do you think those maybe shaped Julius's mental toughness in playing the quarterback position? Oh, you have to be. And David in high school is so dominant. I mean, guarding him is impossible. He, he just He's so smooth and he's so strong. Um, his routes are, are amazing. And, you know, and when he'd ever get the best of Julius, Julius would just do that, that hard hand clap and then it was gone. He knew. I mean – 
we always talked about that. You got to have short-term memory loss as a DB or a baseball player. Certain certain positions just it's required. If you can't if you can't forget the last play, you're not going to be a very good player. And especially as well as people pass the ball now, and it's a passing football league, you know. So and you may get eight passes caught on you <laughs> in a game, and it doesn't matter because the night you know the next play is the one they got to worry about, and that's the play that maybe can turn the tide for your team. And you know, uh, coaches are looking for those resilient, you know, undeniable type characters and that's that's what they are i mean it doesn't mean they don't care they care so much sometimes kids care so much they they melt themselves you know paralysis by analysis type deal but <laughs> they they do care but they have also have that ability to to move forward and he's probably going to be expected to play as a rookie he's going to go against the world's best and i'm sure he's going to have some good days and some bad days and everything in between but i guarantee you it won't keep happening because He's going to go back to film. He's going to go right back to the field and work. And that's just who he is and what he is. That's how he's raised. And that's, that's what we do. So, um, you know, I feel pretty confident that he's going to, you know, keep expanding his game and improving just like he's done the last couple of years. And, and we're going to see some great things out of him just because of his mentality. And we'll get to see him very soon. Julius and the rest of that rookie class reporting here to the Colts Complex on Thursday, the rookie minicamp this week. Jason, I expect that we will probably see you. I know you said the game we will, but probably even maybe make a training camp appearance to uh, to see him up there as well, I'm sure. Absolutely. We're going to be up there. We always try to support our kids. You know, I've been doing this a while and had some uh, fortunate, uh, you know, luck in the, in the football realm. So I have a lot of, you know, or I should say we we have a lot of, kids out there playing all over the country and so for us it's just it's 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 awesome you know we can go to iu purdue or about any college out there marion it doesn't matter we just have kids everywhere and they're all doing great things and and that's why we do this and that's why we have this job and to get these young men you know pointed in a great direction and try to help them become the young men that that they want to be you know long term so it's just uh you know it's overwhelming it's exciting but you're gonna definitely see me around and uh hopefully not too much where you get sick of me but i i I can't wait to you know just see how he evolves and and how he uh handles the whole situation and how his hometown is you know gonna love having him around so it couldn't be a, a better story the high school coach of julius brents that is jason west now the head coach at franklin central high school jason thanks so much for the time we will see you soon Okay, thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time and, and, and you doing this for him. It's, it's a great thing. What a nice head coach right there, guys. Good job on that. And you know what? We are looking okay in the defensive secondary, I'll tell you what, with the likes of Juju Brents around. So I want to hop. We talked about Anthony Richardson. JJ talked a little bit about downs, but I wanted to get some other of these draft choices and get uh, what you're thinking, Lara. What are you thinking when, when we see a guy like Downs that's drafted out of North Carolina? By, by the way, I have a source down there in Carolina. tells me home run pick. Clyde Christensen, who goes down there and has always went to the uh, North Carolina spring games. We're and full went of to good sources in this. No, not Stephon bad. Gilmore, said, Clyde Christensen yeah. signing off on these guys. He said big, big home run on that one when, when we got downs. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, Chad Henry, the, the area scout, I spoke with him, and he was – overjoyed to get Josh Downs and uh, with the fit that he is with what Shane Steigen wants to develop in this offense. And then the other person I went to was Reggie Wayne right after he got off the phone with Josh Downs. And he was telling me about 
how excited he was watching downs at the Combine. Reggie was down there on the field and seeing some of the work he was doing. And then also, not only the work he was doing, but Reggie would give him a few tips on, you know, hey, do this or suggestions on certain things. And then he would go in there and the way that he, you know, was able to to take that, receive that and, and quickly make some adjustments was really exciting uh, for Reggie Wayne. And one of the things I said to Reggie is, do, do you get a different feeling when you see a guy on our field, right? Like the combine takes place at Lucas Oil Stadium. You see them on our field. You see them in our stadium. Doesn't that give you a better indication of what they kind of look like for us? He goes, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but no, that, that's that's right. It's, it's so true. So we kind of had some fun with that. But yeah, seeing Reggie Wayne's conviction in Josh Downs makes me really excited. When Reggie Wayne signs off on a guy, you listen. Yeah, you listen. By the way, Larry, I'd like you to get involved in scouting. I like like the way that you work. Let's go over this quite quickly. We talked about him briefly. Blake Freeland, offensive tackle, BYU. Guys, give me your rundown of him uh, briefly and his playing time coming up in 2023. He's 6'8". Like I said, 37-inch vertical at the NFL Combine. That's in the 99th percentile for tackles. Uh, He had a 120-inch broad jump. That's 10 feet. Broad jump is where you're standing and you just jump forward. And he jumped 10 feet It's the long forward. jump, it's but long we call jump. it broad jump. Yeah. Long jump, uh, yeah. 10 feet. That's, that's nuts. It's just Whoa. ridiculous. So uh, he only allowed two sacks and 41 total pressures in 1,346 pass-blocking snaps at BYU. It sounds like he's got to get a little bit stronger, but the, the athletic upside that he has, you get him working with Tony Sperano Jr., in that Colts offensive line room, oh. worth worth a swing. And, I mean, I think from day one, he's probably your swing tackle. He, he's got experience both on the left and the right side. And if he develops into more than that, then that's a good problem to have on figuring out how you sort those guys out. Um, a little bit of a sneak peek here. You're going to want to watch with the next pick to learn a little bit more about like Blake this. Freeland. Good tease right there. Lara Overton, J.J. Stankovitz, I'm Jeffrey Gorman, going over a few of these draft choices and a lot of people gushing over this man in the fourth round. J.J., start with you. Give me a, just a roundup. We'll give him really quick. Colts fans fired up about this guy. Aditamiwa Adabaure. There you go. Offensive tackle, Northwestern. And I'm going to say this like I know what I'm talking about, but I don't. This man is 275 pounds. 82 pounds. 82 pounds, and Lara runs a 4-4-40? Yeah. Unbelievable. I was talking to to Bill Brooks. Bill said he ran like a (laughs) 4-5-40, but at 180 pounds. Wow. This guy's 100 pounds heavier than Bill Brooks and ran faster than him. I mean, the the level of athleticism that this guy possesses in his body is, is just... It's remarkable. I, I like how the Colts are now kind of building out this defensive line room where you have, like, Adabare is probably going to slot in as a three-technique defensive tackle behind DeForest Buckner along with Taven Bryan there. But he has flexibility. He, he played defensive end in college at Northwestern. You have a lot of guys who are versatile on this line between Adabare, Taekwon Lewis, Dio Dangbo, who give Nate Ali some different options to mix and match uh, packages, especially when you get into some of the third down looks. Um and just again, the athleticism. If I'm Nate Ali, I'm doing cartwheels. I get to coach this guy. Okay. And you get to mold this athleticism. Now, you're going to say it with me, but you're going to say it as if your Canadian friend is answering on where to meet you. At a bar, eh? At a bar, eh? Nah. Really? There you <laughs> go. At a bar, eh? 
Oh, I was good. I feel Canadian. Plus, I've said that a lot my whole life at a bar, eh? Oh, I love that. Okay, good. That help. That's helpful because you're gonna hear a lot about that name. Real quick, we talked about the defensive backfields. Got another big corner in Darius Rush in the fifth round out of South Carolina. I'm sure Stephon Gilmore loves what he sees out of there. Yeah, the Gilmore sign of approval is real Absolute. strong on that. Real, real quick on him, he's a converted wide receiver. The Colts believe he has a lot of upside and untapped potential because he's only been playing cornerback for a couple of years now. Okay, okay, I love it. We have nothing but potential in front of us. Daniel Scott, guys, round five, six years at the University of Cal. That's a, a long college career. With the COVID, <laughs> the COVID yeah. years, uh, you get an extra year of eligibility. Um, this guy didn't become a full-time starter until 2021. He got to Berkeley in 2017, but he developed himself into a, a core special teamer for Cal. And then when he started playing on defense, he still played special teams. So this guy gives you upside both as a potential core special teamer. He's fast. He's physical. A guy you you like to see running down kickoffs and punt coverage. But he also gives you competition at safety. Mm -hmm. The Colts' safety room is very young. Julian Blackman's the oldest guy in that room. He's going into year four. You got Rodney Thomas, Nick Cross, both in their second year. Daniel Scott in his first year uh, among some other guys in that room. Going to be some good competition. A lot of athletes in that room. And, you know, I think you, you want to hope Nick Cross takes a hold of a starting job. But, again, he's going to have to compete for it with a guy like Daniel Scott. Hey, much like me, Larry, I was in college for seven years, Daniel Scott for, uh, for six. So. Well, you're, you, you got that Ph.D., right? <laughs> no. There was no <laughs> pandemic giving you extra years there. <laughs> Didn't at all. Okay, we heard about Will Mallory, the speedy tight end, obviously. Grandson of Bill Mallory, yes. if, I'm, if memory serves, correct? Evan Hall, J, uh, J.J. spoke about him earlier, running back Northwestern, great pass-catching abilities. Give me something on Titus Leo from a small school, uh, Wagner, an edge rusher. Yeah, a kid who impressed the Colts at the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl, um, which is kind of one of those uh, you know Senior Bowl type showcases. Um, really athletic kid. Chad Henry really likes the 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 energy that he plays with. They said he plays 100 miles an hour. Uh, plays with his hair on fire, and just good depth at defensive end. And you you look at where that's at now. You got Titus Leo, Quidipe, Dio Adangbo, Samson Ebicom, Taekwon Lewis. Uh, Rashad Berry, Khalid Kareem, and Cameron Klein at defensive end. So good competition there. And, you know, he's a kid who, you know, kind of like some of these other guys, doesn't have a ton of experience at defensive end. He's played all over, but he was really productive at Wagner, and he was college teammates with Chris Williams, one of the Colts' defensive nice. tackles. Nice, okay. Two Wagner we got players there. on the Colts right now. I love the small town. Chris Ballard goes searching all across the Well, he's the not a small town. I mean, this I mean, is small, Staten Island. I mean, uh, small school, rather. Small <laughs> there you school. Go. That's what I'm talking about. Jalen Jones we spoke of earlier, Lara, another 6'2 quarterback yeah. out of Texas A&M, a seventh rounder, and I'm going to round it out with another seventh rounder, literally a redwood tree uh, from northern Michigan, Jake Witt. So another big offensive tackle and a cornerback in the seventh. A lot of versatility that you have added in there for sure. And, you know, Jalen Jones is one who Anthony Coughlin, the Southwest Area Scout, really pounded the table for to want to get him. And so that was that was one that I know was was significant for those loose scouts who had really had eyes on him. Okay. Jake Witt, a youper. Yeah. He could be the first youper. Have a pasty. I just love saying youper. It's a great. Pasty, is it? A pasty? Uh, can is... you explain what a youper I mean, uh, I, Upper but, Peninsula. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yes. um, I went to UppermichiganSource.com, which is a website I never thought I would visit, to find out who the last player, NFL player from the Upper Peninsula was. It was Miami Dolphins defensive tackle Chuck Klingbeal. 70s. 90s, actually. 90s. Yeah, Chuck Klingbeal. I just took a shot years. over there. Yeah, you know, not bad. Uh, this kid, though, 
his journey is it's remarkable. Dane Brugler wrote a great feature story on him where he it's halftime of a game uh, in 2021. He had just started playing football again. He was a tight end on Northern Michigan, and it's halftime, and his coach starts walking to him with a jersey in the 60s, and he goes, uh-oh. uh-oh. They ran out of tackles, <laughs> so he had to go play tackle. He had never played tackle before. He was a tight end. And now two years later, he's an NFL draft pick. And look at, at that. At tackle. Disney stories everywhere. I want to thank Jason West for being part of this. He's the head football coach at Franklin Central. He coached Julius Brents at Warren Central for being on the show. You two, as always, I appreciate your help for getting us a quick rundown of these latest draft choices they have. I want to know before we go... What's this weekend look like for you, Lara, and for you, JJ? We're going to find you both on Colts.com, but what do you want to see out of this rookie minicamp? I just want to see Anthony Richardson in person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seriously, that I, I want to see what these other guys look like, how they move, but, oh, man, I, want to, I just want to see Anthony Richardson start ripping throws out there. I can't wait. I think it's just getting all the guys in the building. It, it's such a palpable energy and excitement when you get this group together, both the drafted guys and the undrafted rookies as well who are going to be in the building. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of those guys be impactful players for the Colts just last year. Think about Dallas Flowers, you yeah. know, coming in. And I just think that any any time you get get that group especially such a large group of rookies that you're going to have they form a, a special dynamic it's so fun to kind of see those guys coming in um the relationships that they build because you hope that there are a lot of guys who are playing a long time here together that are coming out of this group hey a big congratulations and thank you to your wife and your husband <laughs> for, for the last week because you guys were glued down here at the complex and obviously getting ready for this draft, and you're going to do it again this weekend with a with a mini camp coming up. So thanks to you both. Don't forget this week on Colts Audio Network, you can check out Inside the Draft. It is back as we, we recap the Colts draft picks with Shane Hallam from the Draft Countdown. Find out what he thinks on the Anthony Richardson pick and the entire Colts 2023 draft class. The offseason workout program continues this week. We're going to have an interview with the Colts veteran player later on so be sure to check everything out at colts.com we got the last word coming up mate and i will be reflecting on the draft that comes out on friday a big thanks to you both follow lara overton on twitter at lara overton at jj stankovitz on twitter a thank you to casey valier for uh, the ones and twos today we appreciate your help and our friends at winbet.com the colts official podcast is brought to you by them and folks we're coming back a whole lot more information coming back week through week the voluntary mini camp is going to be coming up or excuse me the rookie minicamp is going to be coming up the veterans are in their storylines everywhere and anthony richardson is in place you want info you find it at colts.com from jj stankovitz and lara overton i'm jeffrey gorman this is the colts official podcast